Welcome along to episode 737 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Lorraine Brown lets us know about her shows, which are on the way at the Litchfield Garrick. We'll be hearing from Canic Chase Drama Society about their production of Alice in Wonderland. Will Meller is along to talk about the kids' pocket money. We'll be hearing from Janet Ellis about ways to keep the kids entertained over the summer. And we'll have music from Michael Armstrong as well. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the Milk Bar. 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 New research from Santander has told us that it's going to cost about 500 quid to keep the kids entertained this summer. Sounds like hard work to me. Somebody who knows how to uh, amuse the kids, whether it be with sticky about plastic, washing up liquid bottles, or just running around with a fellow with a very large nose, is Janet Ellis, who joins me now. Hello. That's my entire career right there. <laughs> I think that, 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 that I've read it off IMDb, that covers it. But uh, <laughs> you've done so much over the years to uh, keep kids amused. When you see a survey like this, particularly with your own grandkids, who I'm sure you take great pleasure in looking after during the six weeks holiday, uh, it's uh, is a, it's always a tricky one, isn't it? It is a tricky one. And I'm here to say don't panic. I mean, obviously, Santander commissioned this research because they wanted to discover how the um, cost of living crisis, very real, present and affecting everyone, is impacting on parents and carers at the beginning of the long summer holidays. Because obviously, when you're a kid, you think, hooray, the whole of August. And it can be a bit daunting to those of us in charge. But the good thing is that although people are, of course, concerned, rightly concerned, nine out of 10 parents and carers still want to give the kids a really good time and are aware that they're going to have to make budget constraints. Um, Santander incidentally offer online tools to help you with budgeting over the summer so it doesn't feel quite such a daunting task. But I think my main message is there's plenty that's free and you don't have to feel you're a kind of round-the-clock entertainment officer. You know, take your foot off the gas a little and enjoy the fact that nobody is marking yours or their homework. That's a good bit. But I mean, when it comes to the, the days out, it's not only whether it's a free trip to a museum or a treasure hunt that you put together. It's also keeping the cost of food down at the same time as well. And take sandwiches. It's going to be a brilliant adventure. Yes, it is. And let them make their own. I mean, some of the sandwich combinations that my kids came up with, I don't <laughs> think would be on MasterChef. But nevertheless, they were in charge of it. And I think, again, when children have spent a whole year in school, rightly being told what to do and when to do it, you know, that's how things work. And hats off to teachers because they do a fantastic job. But in the school holidays, let them be in charge a little. You know, it's a really growing up time. I think any of us who've watched our kids go from the end of one term to the beginning of another over the summer holidays We'll have a little moment of realising how much they've grown up in that time. It's amazing what a shift that six weeks is. And particularly if your kid's going off to secondary school when that's the biggest swap of all. But I think as long as you think I don't have to be the most memorable parental carer ever in the whole wide world and just do things that are fun, then you're really going to have a great time, all of you. And that is the main point of all of this. Yep, it is about enjoying yourself. And I say the, the idea of a treasure hunt sounds absolutely brilliant. I remember back when I was a kid, we would do that sort of stuff. And whether it's around the garden or whether it's uh, maybe yeah, having a bit of fun in the park when you've got a group of parents together or exactly. looking after the kids. And and also it, it's about maybe the parents having to take time off work to, to look after the kids during the periods. And I know people share that. And I know there are some more expensive clubs that you can send the kids along to to keep them entertained. But it, it, it is all about making the most of the time that you do have and and actually just making a load of memories as well. 
Absolutely. And extend those things too, because in the normal run of things, you know, a game you set up on Sunday night has usually got to be dismantled on Monday morning. <laughs> but, uh, but for the summer holidays, you can leave it where it is. And if you're playing together with other kids in the park, why not do a sort of Olympics, you know, where day by day you have different activities and people, again, can suggest and take charge of them. Don't feel you have to be the ringmaster all the time. You know, your role, of course, is to keep them safe and happy, but you don't have to be in charge with a whistle. You know, let the teachers do that when it's their turn. And again, what about sort of neighborhood bingo? It's something I used to do with my kids that when I was walking them to school, I just make a note of some quirky things along the way, you know, like a cat that always sat in the window or a bright front door or a post box that told different times, that kind of thing. And then I would do a little sheet for them. And then we go around clocking them off because Although, of course, children are closest to saints and completely innocent, they're also massively competitive. <laughs> so they like being fast. They really do. You can't stop that, I don't think. And then again, it doesn't matter what age they are, because my kids are really spread out in age. But there were things that we could all do together. It must have been quite interesting for them as well, though, because uh, you were basically making everybody's summer special do the magic that you did on Blue Peter. And whether you, you were off doing an expedition somewhere or whether it was something amazing you created out of toilet roll tubes, you, know, you, you made a difference to all their kids, friends, you know, school lives too. That is really nice. And I, I wish now that my grandchildren were full of respect for me, but they are not. <laughs> they are not. But yeah, it is. It's lovely to have been part of people's childhood. And, you know, I would say that the kids who watched me when they were little, that generation have turned out really well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should take full responsibility. For I, that, I, for all the credit, all the credit. <laughs> yeah, it is lovely. And also Blue Peter was and is a programme that aims squarely at its audience. You know, it doesn't talk down to kids. It doesn't involve them in things that are too difficult or grown up for them. And it's tempting with a programme that's been on air for 65 years to just slightly step outside and talk to the older audience. And it's never done that, which is probably the reason it's still on air, to be honest. But yeah, it was. I mean, my own kids had, again, zero respect for my television career. And when I showed them pictures of things that I did, e.g. parachuting, they'd look at those pictures and they'd look at me and obviously think it was a completely different person. And therefore I was some sort of imposter in the photos and it could not possibly be the same woman, which in some ways is fair enough because I am afraid of heights. So... <laughs> I not quite believing it was me. As, yeah. as, well as, as long as you're dismissive of pop careers and things at the moment, then that's okay, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. But again, Sophie's children, you know, they, they like what she does. They go along to festivals and gyrate on stage with her. But you ask them what's impressive about Sophie, and it is not her recording career at all. It's not. It's pancakes on a Saturday morning. See, and that's how it should be. I like that. That's good. Where can we go for more information and some great tips from Santander? Oh, Google Santander budget tools and they will take you straight to where you need. And don't panic about this. You know, when I've asked people about this, everybody I've talked to has mentioned something lovely that they did with their parents or carers, which didn't cost anything at all. So, yes, of course, the theme parks, wonderful films, great theatre experiences. But the things you remember are the things that actually took time and love, which is just as it should be. And you also remember the weather is being better, too. So that's handy at this particular time of year. <laughs> you know, we're getting tips from Janet Ellis, who was herself and still is a goddess with a slightly unbranded glue stick. And you can make that your world, too. Janet, always loved to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Have a brilliant <laughs> summer with the whole family. That's 
On Thursday the 2nd and Friday the 3rd of November, the magic, wonderful, velvet voice of Lorraine Brown will be heard from the stage at the Litchfield Gallic. It is a treat. She is amazing. She performs on cruise ships across the world. Lucky enough to have us in in, in the region doing something pretty much locally for her. Lorraine, how are you doing? Hi, Jason. I'm fine. How are you? I'm all right. And uh, glad to see you're performing back on a stage which doesn't rock from side to side periodically. Thank goodness for that. I just got back actually yesterday from a cruise which was uh, out in Greenland and Iceland. It's cold. It's cold. But great. (laughs) Had a great time. Well, this is, and the audience have a great time when you're singing. Your voice is absolutely phenomenal. And this is the reason you get these gigs. And your stage presence is just wonderful, too. So uh, I, I'm bigging you up so you don't have to, because I know you're too modest to actually do that. But it must be great having this time to be able to share it. It's wonderful. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think I was born to do it. Um, it makes me happy. Being on the stage is my happy place. I love singing. I love entertaining and having a laugh as well. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's just absolute fun. And the songs that you sing, I mean, vary by show. You are very good at having a massively wide repertoire. And uh, this is your wide vocal range that allows you to do this. But it is the quality of your voice as well, which really brings this home. So what magic will you be making on stage? What songs can we expect to hear? Uh, And and a theme for uh, your your appearances at the Garrick. Well, you know, well, you know, we did it last year, and this is why we're back because so many people requested that we did another show. So um, we're going to go from I think probably the fifties up into the present day. Um, we're going to hit on every genre. I mean, a lot of people love the eighties and the nineties. They love the jazz standards. They like the songs from the shows. So we're going to give them absolutely everything. And I encourage people if they have a, a favorite song that they think they'd like me to sing. They want to hear it. I mean, obviously, I can't do everything. But you know what? Get in touch, you know, on Facebook, Instagram. Get in touch, and I will do my best to get the band and I to rehearse it and do it on the night for me. There you go. That's something you don't get all the time. And, you know, this is going to be a performance like you'll have never heard of this song we've done before. This is the amazing part. It is going to get the Lorraine Brown treatment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And lots of stories about my life, mm-hmm. about cruising, about show business, you know, I've been doing it mm, too many years. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot. Well, it's going it's to be on a- my doorstep. It is, it is a good thing. It is literally on your doorstep, a chance to you know, see and hear you in uh, your own locale and you know, bringing yeah. some great music to the stage. You say the chance to choose that music too. Uh, so tickets uh, can be got from literalgarrick.com. Box office is 01543 412121. And uh, yeah, the, the magic is going to happen. How many frocks are you going to wear on the night? Is it going to be one outfit or is it going to be costume changes? costume changes we can't just use one frock can we no no not when no, you've got no, so no. many that look so good on you jason i love you i hope you're going to come along it's great i, I would try it's and get great. there i, I, I want to go along the friday night so uh, oh. so i'll see what we can do we'll, we'll talk about that one later on but uh, <laughs> so it, it's 7 45 it's in the studio so it is uh, a nice sort of intimate venue as well tell us a bit about the band how many you got on stage with you yeah well we've got Four, four, yeah. The guys are from the West End. Some have come from the West End. Uh, obviously, I've got my wonderful, wonderful husband, Bob, um, on guitar again. So that's going to be great. Um, it's a big sound and it's intimate. And and you just feel like you're in your own living room. A little bit bigger than that, but you know mm-hmm. what I mean. It's nice because people can, uh, they shout out as well. They did shout out last time. 
which was lovely, having a conversation. So if people have questions, they can answer, I can answer the questions. You know, it's not too formal, but in the intimate enough that we have a great time. It is going to be absolutely awesome. As I say, it is literalgarrick.com to get your tickets. 01543 on the box office number. And you want to look down, scroll through, get to Thursday the 2nd and Friday the 3rd. Choose the night that's right for you, or both, if you're really looking forward to it. And at 7.45, book your tickets for the studio. See Lorraine Brown doing her thing. And it's going to be an awesome night. And I always love to speak to you. Great to catch up. And look forward to seeing you on stage at the Garrick soon. Oh, bless you, Jason. so nice to speak to you. Michael Armstrong has a brand new album and it's volume one of a potentially huge series. It is gender neutral volume one and he's here with me now to tell me more about it. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm just about okay. How are you keeping? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing all right now. Which is good. I mean, you say now because um, we, we briefly in our conversations because we, we talk quite regularly about artists that you're bringing to us or your own music and I, I know you hadn't been well but you hadn't really gone into any detail on that one with me but uh you fortunately had a good prognosis following cancer treatment yeah very 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 strange strange few months or strange start to the year and it was bizarre because i i basically what happened was i got a text from my local doctors my, my gp as, as did my wife um saying if we wanted to come along for a free NHS health check. And that was in December. And um, my wife dutifully, like women do, went off to have her health check. And I was thinking, I'm, I better not do that, really, because I've been watching the World Cup. I've been on the booze, enjoying uh, <laughs> the football. And I thought, I don't need to go to the doctors for them to tell me I'm slightly overweight and I should drink less. So being a, a typical male, I put it to one side. And then in January, they text me again and my and my wife said, no, you really should go for this. You know, I'm 50 late this year. So I thought it was like an MOT. Mm -hmm. And I went there and, and within 24 hours, the doctor called me and told me I was uh, proper diabetic, in his words, you're proper, proper diabetic and uh, anemic. And I thought, OK, well, I didn't I didn't have any symptoms as far mm -hmm. as I knew. And um, so I was put on meds to sort out the diabetes and whilst investigating the anemia, I had several scans and they discovered a tumour in my left kidney. And um, the NHS kicked into gear. They were fantastic, I have to say. I know they get a bit of bad press, the NHS. And I'm sure if you fall over drunk on a Friday night, you do have to wait for eight hours in an accident emergency. But they were amazing with me. And within a within a month or so, I was in the operating theatre Um underwent a six hour operation, which was um, performed by robots, mm -hmm. uh, no less. The surgeons were, it was amazing. They Basically, they removed the cancer from my left kidney. They managed to save some of the kidney, but the but the surgeons had like VR headsets on, on the other side of the room, and yeah. were controlling robots who removed it. So, so that there was, so it's like keyhole surgery. Absolutely incredible what they do. I can't fault them. And I'm very pleased to say that after a worrying start to the year i've been given the all clear i have to go back for various regular tests to make sure it hasn't come back but uh i was really lucky i know it sounds a strange thing to say but i've always considered myself a very lucky person and it's perhaps an odd thing to say if at 49 years old you're told you've got cancer but it it, it turned out that it was grade three cancer so it was really aggressive and mm -hmm. fast growing and had i not by a complete fluke found this you know, gone for this NHS health check and had something else wrong with me, which led to them finding it, 
then I wouldn't have known. And God knows what state I would have been in, you know, in a year's time. So, yeah. yeah and and you know, it might not have been picked up had you gone in December. It could be leaving it till January that saved you in this case. Possibly. Yeah, it could be. Who knows? Yeah, I was just... Again, just I say I'm, I've, I've been I've been lucky all my life, and I count mm -hmm. that as another one. <laughs> Absolutely, getting checked important though. Always do it when you get that request. Go in there. I think moral of that story is find out what's going on with your body. I, yeah, you know, I talked to someone who's just just yeah. just had a range of blood tests himself over the last week because it is my annual checkup. Right. Well, good for you and, and everyone listening. Really, really do go for it because uh, well, my story speaks for itself. That's it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but this actually left you with some time on your hands away from work, meaning you could carry on with uh, one of your passions, and that's your music. Yeah, yeah. The new EP is out. I don't know if you can use the word EP anymore because it's not a physical <laughs> release. It's just a collection. It's five, it's five tracks, and it's something different to what I've done before. Um, it's called Gender Neutral Volume 1, and the reason for the quirky title is that it's actually uh five cover versions of songs most associated with or, or uh, made famous by female artists mm -hmm. that came about really 18 months ago or two years ago I, I my last album came out oh hi and i had a very surprising and um unexpected hit in america with one of the songs each other's eyes which ended up going to number one in the indie music charts and number 15 in the top 40. And no one was more shocked than, than I was. Um, fantastic feeling, though. And <laughs> so I thought um, I'd better follow it up quickly and, and take advantage of this newfound success. And normally, if you look at my track record, track record, it takes me about three years to write, record, produce and get out an album and i thought well that's too long so the shortcut is i won't bother with the writing section i'll, I'll do an <laughs> album of covers and um i've always loved in particular hopelessly devoted to you by olivia newton john um i think every generation gets introduced to the movie grease and falls in love with either danny or sandy and and i loved sandy still do and um i just love that song i think it's a perfect song and so I just started playing around with it and, and put a basic recording down and it kind of worked. And I thought, well, that would be a kind of good, cool thing to do. But but what I thought about was you, you cannot separate that song from the movie Grease. You know, there's no point, you know, I could never better the version in Grease. I could, it's always going to be associated with Sandy singing it to Danny and with that movie. And so I thought, well, why not? Why don't I follow that theme? And so the next song I thought of was uh, Kate Bush, Wuthering Heights. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't think of many covers of that or any covers covers of that. And what was interesting about that and and the and the um, the, the Grease song was that you can't really change the gender of them. There's no point in changing Hopelessly Devoted to You to make it a man because you always associate it with Greece. And Wuthering Heights is. You know, the chorus is uh, Heathcliff. Heathcliff. It's yeah. me, Cathy. I've come home. It's a, it's a song from Cathy's point of view, mm -hmm. who's haunting Heathcliff. You know, I can't very well change that to Jeff. I'm coming home. I'm, you know, what I mean? it's <laughs> not gonna, it's not going to work. It's got to be a female song. And so that sparked the idea that there was you couldn't change the gender of these songs. And um, so that was the idea of gender neutral. And then the other songs came along after that. I thought Madonna is the queen of pop. So I thought I should do a Madonna song and. True Blue. I'm, I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I'm not the biggest Madonna fan in the world, but I did buy the True Blue album in 
1986 or something, I think it was. And it was purely because of the video and the cover with her with a short blonde hair. And I thought she was rather good looking. And as a teenager, <laughs> I thought I shall have that album. And um, it turned out to be a pretty cool album. There's some great tracks on it. And, and True Blue stood out to me. And so I'd done a recording of that, um, which is kind of modernised it a bit, I think, jazzed it up a bit. Um, and that's kind of the first single. That's the one that the radio stations are playing. So that's cool. And then the other two tracks, I, I've always loved The End of the World by Skeeter Davis, mm -hmm. which is not so well known as all the others, but it's a 60s song that my parents used to play. And I think it's just a perfect pop song. So I did that. And then I've done a very different version of Don't Get Me Wrong by The Pretenders. And I've slowed it right down, which really brings out Chrissy Hines' amazing lyrics, because the lyrics of that song are fantastic. So, yeah, that's where it all came from. And that's what it's all about. Well, I say your work is always good, and uh, you, you, the way they're on a high is just absolutely amazing. And uh, I've, you, you, you send me CDs every once in a while because you do like your physical releases wherever possible. Obviously, not happening this time round, but yeah, you know, physical releases of your own original work has been, always been an absolute treat. And you know, they live in and out the car; they'll they'll pop out the car again for a bit, then they'll come back in. And uh, I do enjoy listening to it. And it's 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 such a, a buzz around it. And with you, you talked about the number one single. I mean that is just uh, amazing and so well deserved. It is great to hear people picking up on your music, particularly as by day you spend so much time plugging everyone else's music to actually have yours get the sort of level of recognition that you're gaining for other people is absolutely brilliant. So uh, loving all that we're doing there. So I'm actually going to play two tracks. I'll play one after we chat now, then I'll play another one a bit later on. So I, I take it we're going to do Madonna as the as the single to begin with i think so yeah why not we will do that and we'll bring you back in a minute or two and you can tell me about one of the others and, and in particular the recording process on it for now michael armstrong thank you for joining us here is your take on true blue
From the 21st through to the 24th of September, the Prince of Wales Theatre in Cannock is going to be brought to life with the sound of Alice in Wonderland. It's been put there by the Cannock Chase Drama Society, and I'm joined now by four of the number. Hello, gang! Hello! Right, we have to do introductions at this point, so I think we'll start at the far end of the line on my right. I'm Helen, I'm the musical director, and I'm also playing Dottie, the Duchess of Wonderland. That's a good start, okay, we like that. Next. I'm Julie Hunter, I'm the director for the production. And modelling our poster and tonight. Modelling the most important <laughs> thing to get the sales. Da, 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 da. Okay, we like that. Next. I'm Emma Askey and I'm playing Alice. And you've no idea what's ahead of you at this point, have you? Because Alice never knows until it all starts. She's got no clue. This is it. <laughs> no. And? I'm Lauren Barry, I'm the choreographer and I'm also playing the Queen of Hearts. So, ooh, ah, that, that's Badger, nasty. Yeah, yeah. Badger, we don't, but, but we know. <laughs> you stand me next to a baddie. I, 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 anything could happen <laughs> here at this point. Okay, let's, let's, let's start off uh, with, with, with the baddie's point of view. Because uh, uh, you've got to get a lot of people dancing. Absolutely. And you've also then got to control them with your queenly powers as well. So do you think the two help? I think so. I think so. So I've got to get everybody dancing to see if they uh, think my baddie skills work in the rehearsal time, but then also get all of the audience booing at the right times as well. So is it a full-on choreography all the way around? Yeah, it's quite a dancey show all the way through, so really, really good. And hopefully getting the uh, audience doing a a special wave of booze all the way through they'll see when they're in the audience okay we'll see how that works out this is something to look forward to okay on to, on to alice then and uh, just sweet innocence never know what size you're going to be oh yeah well it's it's interesting you'll see when you come to see about the size okay well we'll see how that that magic works because that is theatrical magic isn't it <laughs> okay, but it, it is a fun story to tell, though, isn't it? And and you get to have a great role. And I, I take it there's going to be a few musical numbers in there for you too. Yeah, yeah, there are a few. Um, so um, I I did a bit of a listening to the audio book mm -hmm. to uh, get myself kind of in in the mood for it, and then. Um, yeah, and listening to the songs that um, have been put on by Jamie Jones, who's written it, and they're just absolutely brilliant. So really enjoyable to sing, and yeah, so. 
And, and, and it is a, a fun full family show, isn't it? It is, it is. And in fact, my family are in it. My little boy is going to be in his first show, in the first act of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, fun for my family, fun for your family. That's it. <laughs> Everybody has a good time. We like that. So, again, directing and having a good time, uh, yeah, keeping all of this under control. Oh. Uh, and I say, it, it, it's one of those classic stories, isn't it? It is. And if they're wrong, I can, of course, pinch the Queen of Hearts line and go, Oh, friend! if they're not doing what they're supposed to. <laughs> but it is, it is a wonderful script, uh, again, brought forwards by one of our members, Jamie Jones. Mm-hmm. It's based truly on the Lewis Carroll, so it's um, bonkers, as but, you anticipate. But, but it does mean it have its nasty bits as well, doesn't it? Because it was a bit scary, the real thing. It, it, it was quite dark, but we have, of course, lightened it up so that it is a family show. Mm-hmm. And in terms of music, I mean, Alice's um, solos are fireworks, Work and the actual Wonderland one from the musical. We've got uh, a spit on Diamonds of Forever for the Queen of Hearts. Um, (laughs) So, you know, we're bringing modern songs into it and then we have the musicals like Cheshire Cats from Cats and Come Alive, which is very popular at the moment. So, you know, we, we're trying to do our best to make it a fun-filled show for everybody with the music and the dancing and, of course, the true tale. So the Duchess, with her jam tarts, I'm going to hand over to now. Yeah, so Helen, a.k.a. the Duchess. Uh, has this been you've been practising your baking skills for the show? Because they won't be stunt jam tarts, they'll be real ones, won't oh, they? Oh, they'll be real jam tarts, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, my character is the comedy against the Queen... Um, she's my sister, believe it or not, <laughs> sisters, <laughs> um, and I am the light relief, I suppose, to that side, and there's myself, the Mad Hatter White Rabbit, who, along with Alice, try their best to defeat the Queen of Hearts, but you'll have to come and see if we are successful. Okay, so no spoilers, but it's a family <laughs> show and it's going to be fun, so <laughs> I'll let you have it out yourself. But that does mean we do need everyone to get tickets, and it's a tenner for kids, 16 quid the starting price for adults, and they're easy to get online, and I suppose, is it by phone as well? They are easy to get online. She's reading the post for that. I am, I'm afraid, <laughs> that we have the normal city ticket facility, so if you go to www.cannockchasedrama.co.uk, you can book directly with us, otherwise you can go through the Prince of Wales box office. OK, now you've got your posters the wrong way around. Are you still reading it? I'm um, yeah. <laughs> What else are you Just reading? Just checking on? the box office number, which is 01543 and my poster is back the right way. <laughs> yeah, it t- tells us everything we need to know. Look out for the posters around Canic if you're over in the uh, Canic Chase Drama Society. Obviously, doing things for decades that have been amazing audiences and causing fun, frivolity, not only for the cast, but also for everyone who comes <laughs> to see it as well. Yes, indeed. And as Emily says, we've got children in it. They are the flowers that hide Alice, they are the little animals. So. Great fun for everybody. Costume changes are plenty. It'll be <laughs> chaos behind the scenes. It'll be amazing on front of stage. Go along and see it 21st to the 24th of September, as I say, at the Prince of Wales in Cannock. Cannock Chase Drama Society, four members at least. Thank you for having an atta. Thank, thank, thank you, you so much. With the cost of living crisis, it seems the way kids are getting pocket money could be reduced or even stopped if the parents are having a few financial difficulties. To tell us more about this survey from Metro Bank, I'm joined now by one of their money experts, 
Miona Patel, and also by actor, singer, model, Strictly uh, Star, and dad of two, Will Meller. Hello to you all. Hello. Hello. Will, you've got about 15 different uh, titles there. The one that matters here, though, is being a dad. And uh, have you sort of limited the cash that are going to the kids at the minute? Is uh, my, my kids are teenagers. My son's 19 now. So, I mean, when he was younger and my daughter's just turned 15. So last year we, we got them bank accounts. Um, and, and I said, now when you earn money, if you do any chores or you do something, this, we will put the money into there. And then when you want to buy something, because lots of things are online now, you can see it coming out of your accounts and see whether you really do need it or you want it and whether it is a necessity. And suddenly... When they're paying for it themselves, they don't need as much as they did when I was paying for it. And I think that's the first lesson in managing your money. And I think that's what Metro Bank are trying to help with this Money Zone program is, especially now parents are struggling to, to give their kids pocket money, which is tough. But the, but the worst stat for me is 43% of parents are actually admitting to borrowing money from their parents in this cost of living crisis, from their, borrowing money from their kids, which is... You know, it's so hard. That's a hard conversation and, and it must be tough for parents. So in any way we can help young people understand money, uh, we should do. And I think that's what they're trying to do here. Yeah, absolutely, Mona. I mean, it's great to get an understanding of that. I know I had a bank account from an early age because uh, back in the day, we used to have to send checks off when you want to take your holiday photos to be processed. So I, I was allowed a checkbook at about the age of 15 from my <laughs> bank. These days, it's a lot simpler because the, the, lots of things are digital and so is cash. And we have to get behind that as, as young sis can make a difference, can't it? Yeah, I think it's really important that kids actually see what happens to their cash. It's all too easy to go kind of tap, tap, tap and not really understand what you're spending. As well, it's good for kids to be able to see money in, money out, and to understand, you know, when they spend money, the balance goes down, to understand the value of money. Um, my kids were a very young age, but before they had a bank account, they had a hard copy bit of um, sort of card. And if they got given money, they put it in the in column. If they wanted to spend money, they had to write it down in the out column, work out what the balance was. And I kept that going until they got cards. And now they still have to do the same thing. They have to view how much they've got left and then decide if they want to spend the money or not. Because I do think a lot of kids maybe have bank accounts and con or their parents give them cards, contact lists, they tap. You don't, they don't really see what's going on. They don't really understand that there's actually money behind that transaction. And, you know, for some, they probably think there's a bottomless pit of cash at the end of that card. But the reality is there is not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, many people struggle. And as we saw uh, when we were talking about the figures of 43% having borrowed from the kids, sadly 5% haven't given that back, which is uh, obviously a, a concern and could yeah, knock the kids' confidence in saving as well. But uh, I mean, Will, I went with your kids as well. I mean, growing up, you've done that many great comedy shows. Uh, seeing you messing about on TV, it must be quite interesting for them to try and turn that around and get you to uh, uh, be a bit more sensible when it comes down to the finances in the home. Yeah, it, it, listen, I'm, I'm I'm the breadwinner in the house. Um, they know that. But at the same time, I am fun dad. And, and I because I work away quite a lot, my wife is quite the strict one. I mean, she's the one. I, I come home and I do spy on my kids, and I have been guilty of that. And and, it, and and mainly because when I grew up, I had nothing. You know, I grew up on a council estate and, and a working class, which I'm very proud of. It's where I'm from. Uh, so I represent. And I, I sort of, I think once I started earning money, um, uh, once I got my family, I was like, I want them to have the things I didn't have, um, holidays and luxuries and stuff like that. But that's not always the best thing to do. And, and my wife um, reins me in at times, which I'm glad of her for doing that because spawning kids isn't the way forward, even though it's an easy way and nice thing to do. I'm just sometimes 
too fun dad and I'm like oh don't worry about it we'll go here and she's like hey I've been trying to keep them under wraps and then you come home and go don't worry about that I'll take you out for dinner and it's like <laughs> so it's finding that balance um, and I have learnt and now they have got older I've realised it's important for them to really learn about money uh, and about the fact that it isn't a bottomless pit like Mona said and it does come from somewhere and it comes from a lot of hard work and I've worked a long 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 time to get to where I've got to no one came and gave it to me and I can't do the same for them. So I'm trying to teach them that. Yeah. And with the, so where we are with the, the, the apps and the, and the programs we've got, Mona, what would be the best way to start kids off saving? Cause I suppose uh, you know, it's having the hybrid account one way you can save and also spend. Yeah, I think so. And there's, there's loads of children's accounts out there. Look, but you know, for Metro bank, we have a, a kid's account and there's a five for five program where if, if you save five pounds a month for five consecutive months, you'll get an extra five pounds in your account. So it's sort of teaching the money that if you save, teaching kids that if you do save, you can get a benefit at the end of that. Um, and just, just I think creating financial habits, good financial habits early on in life carries through into adulthood. So I think if you, and if you look around you and you see people who are good with their money, who are careful with their money, who think about what they spend, that instills a certain um sense of understanding in yourself as a child you know kids kids learn from their parents um and if they see good financial habits from their parents then hopefully they'll develop good financial habits but i do think it's important for children to understand the benefit and value of saving so you know if, if you're able to reward your child for saving i think that's that's always a good thing um kids save into a savings account where they maybe get some interest again that's another good lesson if you keep your money for longer you you'll make it grow but if you spend it straight away, it's gone and it's not going to grow. So just just sort of little little tidbits like that to help your kids understand um, what it means to save and the fact that you can make your money grow. And, and Will, again, you say you, you you get to be fun, Dad. You get to have uh, some good times. But so with with the learning and with your nineteen year old now, uh, I take it they're already reaping the benefits of the the financial planning that you sort of started to instill in them as growing up. Yeah, my son is nineteen now. Uh, my daughter's fifteen. The problem I've got is I'm a bit protective of going you know showing them the real harsh life that's out there you want your kids to stay young for as long as you can but also you don't want to mollycoddle them so yeah my, my son um i'm pushing him into work he does creative media so i'm trying to guide them i am telling them the importance but sometimes you've got to go and just get in the water to get wet you can't so they've, they've got to learn and they've got to go and step in and get a job, um, and that's the, my daughter wants to do that. She wants to earn her own money. Will, have you got anything going on that we uh, we can spot you in the near future? Um, yeah, I've got an ITV drama that starts uh, in January, actually, next year. I've just finished filming it uh, with um, Toby Jones about the post office scandal. Uh, it's a four one-hour episode. Uh, as I say, it's true life, so I'm playing a real person, and it's horrific and unbelievable, and you wouldn't believe it if it wasn't true. So, yeah, watch out for that. That'll be out in January. Thank you for that. And Mona, uh, obviously one side of finance with Will, the other side of finance with you. Where do we go for more info on the work that you've been doing? I think the best thing anyone listening can do if they're interested in how to help their kids is to do some research about on budgeting and saving. Get your kids interested in, in learning about money. There's loads of resources out there. If you live near a Metro Bank store, pop in and see if you can get access to our Money Zone programme. We do a financial education programme for kids. Uh, it's really helpful, teaches kids about budgeting, saving. They can come into a store, visit the vault. Um, so just, yeah, get your kids interested in money. Get them talking about money. Talk to them about money and try and instill good financial habits um, from an early age. 
maybe nip into the Metro Bank in the city centre of Wolverhampton, pop along and check it all out. But for now, personal finance expert at Metro Bank, Mona Patel, and Will Miller, actor, singer, dad, and absolute fantastic (laughs) star when it comes to a bit of dancing. Thank you you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, earlier we were talking to Michael Armstrong all about his gender-neutral Volume 1 EP. Uh, certainly uh, not a, a short player because we've got five tracks on there. Five amazing songs, all of which are made famous by the female voice. However, on this occasion, you got a butch bloke doing it. And uh, he's uh, with me there to tell me more about how all this came about. Because when we talked about the album, we talked about uh, well, the EP, we talked about the, the singing, but... Uh, what was it like in the recording studio when you you actually came to try and hit some of the high notes? So have you you scaled everything to work to your voice? Yes, yeah, that was pretty. Yes, I, I didn't I didn't attempt to sing Wuthering Heights in with Kate Bush's original vocal line. I don't think I quite got there. So, but again, that that song, I think because you know you can't better the original, you can't better Kate Bush. So again, that's why I chose these songs because I wasn't trying to compete with these people. It was just a, it was a bit of fun really, and an experiment. But uh, with Wuthering Heights, I think because Kate sings it so high, it's, it's actually quite difficult to make out the lyrics. And so singing it in a man's voice, um, you you really hear what the song is about and the story. Um, and quite a quite a few people have commented that to me. They love the original Kate Bush, but no one was actually sure what it was about, other than the Wuthering Heights bits, which they <laughs> sing along to. The rest of it, you kind of mumble along because you don't know what the words are. So now I finally revealed Kate's lyrics. So yeah, I've, I've worked them all to to suit my voice. I think I'd love to hear a duet with you and Kate. That'd be good. Maybe we can go do a mashup between the songs. I would like that too, very much. <laughs> See whether she's up for it. I'm sure you know somebody who knows somebody who knows her at the very least, so that could work rather well. But uh, if we're going to take another track, which we promised to, before we give all the details and how people can get hold of the music, what which one is it going to be? Do you fancy Wuthering Heights on, on the wireless, or what, what do you reckon? I think I think my favourite on the album is probably Don't Get Me Wrong, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Chrissy Hine Pretender song, because I've done it so very differently. It's It's... It's slowed right down. The lyrics come out. The, the, I have a string part which was uh, was written and, and played by a guy called Simon Lockyer, who's actually done the strings on all my albums. He's my first port of call when it when it comes to that stage, mm-hmm. and he's done an incredible job. And I'm I'm really proud of that particular song. It was actually something that I'd actually played before. I'd worked out that version about ten years ago, and it was I was working on a on a cruise ship. And I was kind of the the evening entertainer on, on in the in the piano bars and that. Mm-hmm. And I'd love that song, and it just didn't quite work with just me playing the guitar. So I thought I'd give it a version on the on the piano. And in order to make that work, I had to slow it right down. So I've had that in my back pocket, and even played it at a couple of concerts once or twice over the last ten years. And so that one, once I had the concept, that one came into my mind pretty quickly. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really proud of it. I haven't I haven't heard anything anything like that before so that's that's probably my favorite we're moments away from sharing that one but for everyone who wants to hear the whole thing where do they go to uh well you can best place to check out me is my website which is michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk and the the links to this ep and all the other albums are on there and also like you say this isn't a cd release it it wasn't worth it this time for only five tracks so it's just, just a digital release and that's available to stream if that's your kind of thing, but preferably download from uh, all the usual sites. It's out there somewhere. 
do check it out. Michael Armstrong, you're looking for Gender Neutral Volume 1, and you will not be disappointed. To prove that, let's take something made famous by Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders. Meanwhile, Michael, as ever, always a joy to speak to you. Thank you for joining us and look forward to talking more about maybe Volume 2 or some more of your own original work in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, Jason. I fall in 
That's your lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 738 next week. I'll see you then. Drop it out. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.